Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Uh, this morning on uh, one of the uh, news feeds, well, I think it was uh, one of the Bing news feeds um, that um, I get, there was um, uh, 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 just one of the ads that came up was uh, about um, uh, the science um, confirms the Bible accuracy. Um, and essentially, it was just a, a series of... Um, little uh, points that had been put together where the Bible had been shown subsequently to be quite scientific um, in terms of thoughts. It talked about how you know, the Bible said the earth was round, how you know, Isaiah describes the cycle of the earth and, and so forth. And um, went through a, a, a number of uh, points essentially making... Uh, and demonstrating that the way the Bible was written, although it's not a, a science textbook, it's not meant to explain science, the statements that it makes that obviously aren't poetry um, are actually quite uh, realistic. You know, they're, they're scientifically realistic statements that are being made. And... I found this quite interesting. One um, uh, point that was made out, uh, that was made that uh, I wasn't aware of was that uh, students at the University of uh, Leicester in England, um, uh, students in uh, physics class there, had calculated that Noah's Ark was actually quite stable and could carry millions of animals. As a matter of fact, they calculated that it. Uh, could fit two and a half million sheep, for example. And so uh, they felt that it could you know, quite easily accommodate the estimated number of species of different types of land-breathing animals, um, uh, of, of, of breathing, animals that breathe, have breath of life in them, um, at uh, that time. So I thought, uh, you know, this is really interesting. And um, these days, you know, the Bible is often relegated into the the myth category and, you know, that it, it's just a, another story. But, but really, of course, the Bible claims to be a, a record of the history of earth um, since creation, since a miraculous supernatural creation of our planet. And of course, as we remember, there's really no scientific explanation for our universe, for our solar system that actually fits the data. And I've talked about this, you know, many uh, in, in a number of programs uh, prior to this. Um, it's a major challenge for science to explain our origin in terms of known scientific processes that occur and the way the known laws of physics work. And that's why, for example, the claim Big Bang Theory has inflation theory and, of course, we actually don't have any evidence for inflation theory. Um, and, you know, even in our solar system, we've got the faint young sun uh, paradox um, when we, you know, look at the age of the sun and the temperature of the earth and, and this sort of thing. So there's so many aspects that point to the fact that, you know, the, the earth must be 
the young. But yet, at the same time, when we look down through history, we have these um, whole concepts of, um, you know, humans being on Earth, you know, well, millions of years it's claimed and civilizations going back, you know, thousands of, many thousands of years, far beyond the the Bible timeline. We often hear talks about the different ages, for example, uh, the Stone Age, and we talk about people living in the Stone Age or people living in the... Uh, and, and then there was the Bronze Age and then there was the Iron Age. And it seems to... Um, create this uh, whole idea that generally um, there was this growth in intelligence and people moved from Stone Age to uh, Bronze Age to Iron Age and and so forth. And, of course, now we talk about the Space Age. Um, but uh, it's quite, uh, quite interesting, actually, that um, the Bible re- refutes this and the, and provides evidence, subtle evidence, that humans were highly intelligent right from the beginning and that there hasn't been this gradual progression in in intelligence that's often uh, claimed. And, of course, this then backfires when we look at cultures today that are still, you know, living primitively. The claim is, well, obviously, you know, are those people, they just haven't developed into intellectually. But according to the biblical picture, then, you know, all people are essentially, as, as humans, we're intellectually developed, um, all the same. And um, But I, I guess looking at this, I mean, we all know what stone is, but what is bronze? And, of course, um, bronze is an alloy with um, between copper and tin. Uh, it's about 10 or 12% tin um, that is added. And, of course... Uh, copper occurs naturally, uh, just the metal co- copper in, in places, but um, it's it's reasonably soft metal. But when it was alloyed with tins, then you got bronze. And this was a, a low, relatively lighter, strong alloy that could be poured and hammered into many shapes. So, uh, you know, that's how uh, bronze um, developed um, and then later, of course, we had the or following on from that, according to the age theory, is the the Iron Age, um, and iron is, uh, of course, um, could be made quite hard. Um, and it's interesting that pure iron is not as hard as bronze, but when you mix in the extra carbon, then you form steel. Uh, that's harder than and stronger than bronze. Um, uh, it's interesting, of course, that most of the the history and when people were talking about the Bible, we were talking about in the middle Middle East there, um, and we know that um, uh, a lot of um, control of that area, for example, by King David, who stockpiled tremendous amounts of bronze according to first chronicles 22 and later king solomon who had um, his uh, craftsmen fashion the huge bulls and a giant basin and pillars of bronze that were placed in the temple that we can read about in first kings chapter 7 of 7 um, and but of course you know, david and solomon are 
uh, you know, from a time point of view, lived in the Iron Age. Um, it's interesting, though, of course, that that when we talk about these ages, we um, it's almost uh, the way it's represented is is that age these ages followed one another, and there was uh, development because they come at different stages in different parts of the world. And it's interesting in China, for example, they developed bronze too, but the early bronze that they had, um, they alloyed arsenic with it until later they um, began using um, tin. But when we, um, you know, look at the way archaeologists divide up time into these different ages, um, it sort of reinforces the idea of vast periods of time, you know, because an age isn't just a few decades. It, it, it's, it's sort of a longer period of time, generally speaking, particularly in archaeological terms. And when, we, when the archaeologists divide these time periods, again, it makes people think that these were worldwide periods of uh, development, which was... Um, not the case. Um, the, and, of course, particularly the Stone Age. Um, and so, you know, we know the standard evolutionary theory promoted by people that, uh, you know, don't believe the Bible is that for millions of years man solely evolved from some ape-like creature and was not smart, smart enough to make anything except the crude stone tools. Um but as one uh, researcher pointed out, many of these stone tools um, exhibited uh, sophisticated flaking techniques and the arrows and spears tell us that they understood principles of aerodynamics. And of course, one of the other challenges is if you know, these people were so um, intellectually you know, underdeveloped, they... Uh, from some of the DNA that we found, they seem to be identical to modern man, some of these supposed Stone Age um, specimens that they've found. So it's interesting that um, it seems that the Stone Age lasted longer in places that were further away from uh, the Babel dispersion. And it seems that probably cultures have lost some of the ancient knowledge as they moved across the globe. And I think, you know, that explains um, why there was a, a lack of development, uh, for example, in, in Australia. There was the Indigenous people in Australia um, had, you know, very little technology. They didn't build uh, buildings or... Um, uh, the weapons um, and hunting tools that they ha had were mainly out of uh, wood and uh, fairly, um, in my view, not you know well well sophisticated. They had some fish traps and this sort of thing. Um, they, they were definitely you know hunter gatherer types, but I think. This is, again, that they had moved and moved into the isolated area of Australia where it's fairly hard to get food. Um, really, you've got to hunt for food, uh, kangaroos, goannas. Um, there's not a lot of bush tucker and, and native uh, fruit. Um, the fruits that um, are native to Australia um, 
are often very small berries and, and often, you know, very tart, uh, like the Davidson uh, plum and so forth. And so I think, again, as people move further from Babel and the knowledge of the early um, techniques was, was lost. Um, and it's, it's interesting that um, the ages that are proposed really are, are not that long because according to secular history, the Israelites would have left Egypt during the Bronze Age. Um, most of the weapons and this sort of thing that were used back in that time, certainly um, the ancient, um, you know, in the Greek city-states, they used um, bronze. But... Um, if the exodus happened in the Bronze Age and the uh, Iron Age was already underway uh, during the time of King David, then these ages, in actual fact, back then must have been quite short. But I think one of the things that um, we forget is that right back before Babel, long before, even before the Flood, and long before Babel, the Bible records that Tubal-Cain, the son of Lamech and Zillah, was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. And that's in Genesis chapter 4, 22. And so this quite clearly, the Bible quite clearly records a... A period before the flood or the development of iron and bronze before the flood. And so I, th- I find this quite interesting. And also we need to remember that when Alexander the Great um, conquered Babylon, he was handed or took the city of Babylon, he was handed astronomical calculations that dated back to the founding of Babylon uh, about 1900 years earlier. And so we we know that these people had quite advanced knowledge of of mathematics as as well. And, of course, when we look at the the Great Pyramid there being aligned astronomically and, and very accurate, so we can see that even back then knowledge had um, uh, progressed very rapidly. And, of course, Josephus recorded that Abraham took the knowledge of mathematics and astronomy to Egypt. And the time of Abraham seems to fit around the the time of the building of um, the great uh, pyramid of uh, Khufu there. Uh, and it's interesting, Khufu was about 10 generations from the flood. Um, it would seem from some of the pharaoh lists and uh, Abraham as well. So that you know places them um, contemporary. And again, because as uh, the peoples moved away from um, um, from Babel there, when we look at China, um, the um, if we want to try and equate uh, an Iron Age in China and equate to the Iron Age in Israel, it's they're sort of out of phase. So it took time for the knowledge and that to um, to spread from these areas across. 
So I think this is interesting when we think the, the, the whole idea of these ages, from my perspective, is to try and generate these long timelines. But when we look at the, the Bible account and we look at the genealogies, we can't get away from the fact that you know the flood would have been about you know four and a half thousand years ago, and um, you know sure there's going to be a little bit of error in that, but that's roughly the age. And uh, similarly, you know, with the age of the Earth, about um, six thousand years, and this comes from the biblical. Timelines, and the, we can calculate the ages from the begat ages, the patriarchs, the age that they were when they had their first child, and the age that child was, and so forth. And while there are some archaeological dates that we don't have, you know, quite uh, precisely, like we we can tie this all these ages back f- uh, fairly accurately up to the time that. Um, uh, Solomon built the temple. We're not sure what that date was, but we're not going to be you know, more than a hundred years out there. So um, again, this gives us. Uh, we know that these dates are, are going to be accurate within a hundred years or so. So not the multiple ages that um, are claimed, and the whole concept of intellectual development from Stone Age through to Bronze Age, due to Iron Age and, and so forth. Again, it's refuted from by the Bible in that this knowledge was pre-flood. And what has happened is, uh, with different civilizations, you know, such in uh, where they haven't developed um, the use of metals and these sort of things, it's not because um, they're less intelligent or anything like that. It's just that that knowledge was was lost as people migrated, moved to other areas, um, and probably more time was spent, you know, gathering food and and um, and just surviving. Uh, so there was no time really to develop, you know, civilizations and building and these sort of things. And of course, so the the knowledge was was lost. Just like you know, if you talk to most people today. Um, they wouldn't know how to make um, steel. Um, they wouldn't know how to make the, the, the different uh, metals and alloys to today. Um, they'd have to go and look it up, uh, you know, on, on Google or somewhere or go to the library and look up an old metallurgy textbook. And so this is the way it goes, just with, with knowledge. But one of the things that, again, highlights to me is that there are many things where in in the past people have said, well, you know, the Bible has got it wrong, that have subsequently been historically proved as accurate. And, you know, an example I can remember my mother used to talk about was uh, the Hittites. Um, this is a, a group of people that's mentioned 40 time, 47 times in the Bible. And, of course, uh, one of King David's mighty men the original husband of uh, Bathsheba, Uriah, uh, was described as Uriah the Hittite. But it was interesting that up until uh, 1906, there was actually no archaeological evidence for the Hittites. 
and people just believed that the uh, you know that this was just a made up thing in the Bible and that the Bible was wrong. However, as I said, in 1906, German explorers um, searching uh, the ruins of an ancient city in Turkey uncovered five temples, magnificent sculptures and over 10,000 clay tablets. And these gave a whole lot of details of the, um, of the Hittites. And so uh, another um, classic example too was the existence of Belshazzar. Uh, he's a king of Babylon named uh, by Daniel um, in Daniel chapter 5. And, of course, many have heard of us have heard the, the famous saying, the writings on the wall. And we remember that um, Belshazzar had bought the, um, the, the sacred vessels that had been captured from the temple and brought them in to his riotous uh, debauched party that he was having at the time. And a hand just appeared and wrote into the plaster of the wall. And people were horrified. This was a supernatural event that was witnessed by many people. And, um, of course, um, Daniel was uh, called in to uh, interpret what the hand was saying on the wall, what the words meant. The wise men were brought in. They didn't know what it meant. And Daniel was called in by the king and, of course, it said, today you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. And, of course, that night uh, Belshazzar was slain uh, when um, Cyrus, uh, as uh, General Gobrius, um, entered Babylon. By uh, They diverted the, the river upstream and as the water level dropped, they were able to march their army in under the gates and take... Um, take the city and that's according to the well the the biblical account doesn't give all, all the the details of how the city was taken but it does recall that Belshazzar was saying that night and the city was captured that night and um, it was some interesting that at that time um, a lot of people there was no historical evidence found for a while of Belshazzar um, and however, some tablets were shown that Belshazzar was Debodius' son who served as the co-regent in Babylon. And this being the case, uh, Belshazzar could only make the to Daniel uh, the offer of the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And um, that was the reward that he offered uh, to Daniel for eating it. And... Um, it's interesting that the Nabonius Chronicle now resides in the British Museum. But up till the discovery of that chronicle, uh, there was no secular historical records of that king, and yet uh, the Bible uh, described uh, that king in detail. Um, there's a number of, um, you know... Um, Details, fine details of history that were um, uh, questioned uh, in the past as, you know, oh, could not be the case. Uh, but um, as we've discovered more and more historical records, they have confirmed the accuracy 
of the Bible in so many ways, um, in, in so many details. And this is why I think we can have such confidence that the historical uh, account uh, of the Bible and particularly of God the Creator and the miracles of the Bible are so reliable. And this then provides compelling evidence for the Creator God. Not only has science not been able to explain our origins, uh, science has no explanation for the origin of life, how non-living molecules could form a living cell, nor how the evolution of more complex animal forms could occur. The codes are so complex they can't arise by random chance. We know that the molecular machinery in codes is in uh, life is so complex, even in simple uh, single-celled organisms, such as I've talked about the electric motors that drive little, in these little cells that drive the flagella that propel bacteria along and the sensing systems that enable them to detect the highest concentration of nutrients and then the logic system that enables them to direct their propulsion towards that concentration. Uh, the machinery, the logic systems that are involved, um, the plant systems that capture sunlight, concentrate it and use it to split um, uh, water into hydrogen so that it can be synthesised with carbon dioxide from the air that the plants take in to synthesise the cellulose, sugars and carbohydrates that constitute the plant. Um, the, these Concepts just couldn't arise by chance random mutations to make these systems. So we have this overwhelming evidence from science and particularly confirmed in, in a historical sense, the historical record by archaeology more and more and their increasing number of evidences accumulate. I've just mentioned you know, a handful just uh, now that can give us confidence that the God of the Bible is real. And this is so important because all of us are going to die sometime. But what the Bible says, death is not the end. Uh, we will sleep until the return of God, until the return of Jesus, when God will destroy this sinful planet, remake it perfect, and remake us as well. And, um, and this is the amazing hope that we have and God wants us to have that hope. God wants us to choose him, to choose him as our saviour, to choose the Lord Jesus Christ as our saviour. As I said, there's overwhelming evidence for this. You've been listening to Faith and Science, and remember, if you want to re-listen to these programs, just Google uh, 3abnaustralia.org.au Click on the radio button, uh, click on the listen button. And there's a whole series of programs here have provided a whole lot. Uh, well, I've, I've talked about the evidence we have, the overwhelming evidence that we have that we can trust and believe in the Bible. And remember, uh, if you hear an interesting program or one of the interesting television programs on 3ABN, remember to send links on your social media page and tell your friends about them so other people can find out about this knowledge that can hopefully help them to believe in the loving God and Saviour that we have. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. 
You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.